Welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego-Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, we talk about sustainable investing and how your portfolio reflects your values. Do your investments seek accountability from corporations that govern more and more of our society and even the lives we lead? Listen in as we explore the question, are you investing like you give a damn? Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Grego Kyle and Johan Clausen from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. And yes, you heard me right. I said Johan Clausen. He's back. Johan, how are you? I'm doing great, Eric. How about yourself? I am doing fantastic. Kim has been running the ship, driving the ship, sailing the ship. What? I don't know what to say there, but she is in charge. But you're back. And I'm not ignoring Kim by any means, but I missed you, Johan. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> hey, you notice I'm he didn't reciprocate too. that, Kim? <laughs> he did. <laughs> he did. He it's say. been so hard. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, I um, missed you too, Eric. Oh, thanks. You're a really bad actor. All right, Kim, how are you? <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> thanks. I missed you too, but we spoke last week, so, you know. Yeah, that's true. All right. How do you put up with Johan? Just out of curiosity. You know, he's actually a really good guy. You know, he has a great sense of humor, so. He you know, does. Yeah, we get along pretty well. I can give him a hard time. And, and, you know, if he's annoying, I just shut my door. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we didn't we didn't uh, come here to talk about how much Johan didn't miss me. We came to talk about something else. We <laughs> did. We did. And, you know, we had a great uh, pre-podcast chat about beer. Yes. So, you know, yes. it's it's always fun around here. But, yeah. No, we, um, we thought we would uh, have a lovely conversation around the markets and all the fun stuff, the economy, mm-hmm. unemployment. Yeah, you know, with the change of the, of the of the new year here, it seems like you know so much went on in 2020. And we wanted to give, um, you know, a little bit of a look back and a little bit of a look forward. Did you know that the month of January is named for the Roman god Janus, who has two faces, one looking backward and one looking forward? So that's what we're going to do today. That's what we're doing today. Yeah. Okay. And and is Janice, is that a guy's name or a girl's name in this case? It's a male name, yeah. Male name. Okay. I've got an Aunt Janice. She she oh, was kind of two-faced too, but that's totally <laughs> different. In a different sense, I'm sure, yeah. In a different sense, but whatever. Yeah. All right. Oh, that's a, yeah. So there's your um, Greek. Is that Greek? Yeah. Yeah. So Roman. The, Greek or Roman. Anyway, there's your uh, myth, mythology lesson for the day. So, yeah, that's what we're going to do. Well, Johan's mostly going to talk about the technical <laughs> geeky stuff, but that's that's the plan. All right. For the, for today. Well, I'm look here back, to learn. So, look let's let's, uh, let's let Johan off the leash and go for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, in 2020, you know, lots of things happened. We had um, at the beginning of the year the, the markets were moving pretty well uh, through uh, early February. Mid-February, everything was running along pretty pretty nicely. <laughs> the S&P 500, which is the Standard & Poor's 500, the 500 largest U.S. companies by market capitalization. It's an index built of those companies. The, the index topped out at about 3,400, somewhere in that range, in mid-February. Then, as the news about the coronavirus started to hit, the market just slid off the edge of the table. Um, and it, that's a polite way of putting it. Yeah. That's yeah. The, it, it ended up down about 2,200. So it dropped, you know, 
uh, more than 30%, mm. 35%-ish during those just a couple of weeks. But then, oddly enough, recovered to brand new highs uh, then again in August. And we ended the year up 18.4% on the wow. S&P 500 for the year. 18, almost 18.5%, despite the fact that we were down 30-something percent in the, in the early part of the year. Mm-hmm. The S&P 1500, which is the 1,500 largest companies in the, in the United States, it's another index that we use. It covers a broader range of the marketplace in the United States, you know, more companies. So it brings in some of the sort of mid-sized companies and some of the smaller companies as well. That one was up uh, 17.9%. So we're talking about 18% or so up for the year. International stocks, stocks outside the U.S. were not as hot as the U.S. markets. They were up, but they were still up for the year, about 7.5%, 7.6%. And the bond index, the Bloomberg Barclays U.S. Aggregate Index is the sort of general bond market index that we follow, about 5.6% up. So, Johan... Yeah, these are some remarkable numbers. Yeah, this would be a great year. Uh, would have you know? It's a terrific year. Twenty twenty was a terrific year, regardless. But especially excellent if you were we to have started the clock at those lows in March. In March, uh, we, I mean, the market has been just crazy good. But weirdly, that's really disconnected from the rest of the economy. You know, there's a, there's a, I think there's a huge disconnect between the economy in general and the stock markets, especially here in the United States. You know, we're seeing- Insert sarcastic comment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's lots of disconnects going on in the world right now, you know, but, but this one is, is a big one. We, there was huge job losses in, in March, right? We saw, I mean, it was just nuts. The, um, the, uh, uh, unemployment rate re- rose to nearly 20% um, in and, March and April. Yeah, I just want to comment on that because my son lives in Las Vegas, Nevada. Mm-hmm. And in that city alone, it was pretty close to 35% unemployment. Wow. Yeah, he he got laid off temporarily. He's mm-hmm. working now. But I believe that was the highest unemployment in a city in the country. Could be. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it was remarkably bad. Um, now some of it, has, you know, some of that has come back. Uh, I know, my, actually, my sister works uh, in the in Las Vegas too. Right, we um, had that in a different in a different casino. Yeah, <laughs> um, but um, and she was also furloughed, I guess technically not laid off, but she's uh, back to work now too. Right. So some of that is coming back. Um, I was looking at the numbers uh, with the job losses. The 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 official no- number of total jobs. Um, in um, in March and April, got back down to the post-recession lows of 2010. So we lost 10 years worth of job gains, and we've only really recovered to about the same levels that we were at in 2015. So even though things are much better than they were uh, not quite a year ago, we're still five years. You know, we still have this five-year lag. Uh, we lost five years worth of jobs. Um, over the course of a couple of months, (laughs) and we haven't come back from that yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, Unemployment, the official unemployment numbers um, are likewise back to the 2015 levels, but a big part of that is because a lot of people who lost their jobs in March and April 
are still out of work and have been out of work for so long that they are now officially classified as um, probably not returning to the job market. And, and so this is very industry specific, isn't it? Some of these job losses. Yeah, there's a, a, some industries are doing just fine. Others are are really suffering. So you know the the healthcare industry is doing much better than some others uh, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, and I know construction here in New Mexico mm-hmm. is booming. Right. I don't know if that's true across the country. Not sure either. Yeah. But I, I also the recent job reports that came uh, that came out just this past week. We lost one hundred and forty thousand jobs in December. The the total job number declined, and almost every last job that was lost uh, were lost by women. Yes, women that is are a being forced out of problem. Yeah, so so women's jobs are are dropping like crazy, and men's jobs are actually increasing a little bit. So you know, more a lot of women are being forced out of the job market, um, and in part, some of that is because uh, women are choosing to stay home with their to take care of kids and, and family stuff. Um, but some of it, it's the um, their jobs are easier to let go of somehow mm-hmm. um, for the employers. Yeah, well, I I believe a lot of that is the home school issue right and uh, and single moms and that kind of thing having to stay home and and teach their children yeah yeah so so i think you know when we look at how the economy is doing and we see that you know people are not uh, a lot of people are not working Um, there's a lot of people out of work a lot of people who have been out of work for a very long time and may very well never go back to to work it's hard to see, in some respects, why the stock market is doing so well. I think you know, one of the explanations that get, that's been tossed around is that, well, you know, the oh, here we go, the um, the, uh, the vaccines that are coming out, um, people are being excited about the vaccines and, and the opportunities that those seem to provide for getting back to normal sometime. Um, and so, in some respects, the um, the stock markets uh, have gotten out ahead of themselves. They've sort of imported um, their expectations of profits after everyone has gotten vaccinated. Uh, they've imported that, those expectations back into current uh, prices. That kind of, oh, well, surely uh, every, uh, things are going to recover sooner rather than later because of the vaccination opportunities. Um, but it's not entirely clear. So, you know, we, we're seeing things like um, airline companies and cruise lines companies um, where th- those had crashed this past summer. They've uh, recovered a lot of their value already. Are we seeing that in retail as well? To some extent, yeah, but not as much. Well, to some extent, the, the retail has rebounded because of the... Uh, of. Uh, stimulus money, money coming from the government, right? So that whole six hundred dollars that people are getting. Yeah, the six hundred bucks. Well, you know, it's um, better than nothing, I guess. It's almost nothing, but it's it's better than zero. And there's a new conversation just in this past week um, from the incoming Biden administration about um, their ideas for another what was it one point three trillion dollars worth of stimulus money. So there may be 
there's an expectation that there will be more um, more money coming. Right. And, you know, we're recording this just a few days before the inauguration. Right. So as this comes out, it'll probably be right after the inauguration. So we don't know what this is all going to play out to be. And maybe there will be more stimulus money. But I find it really curious that the economy has sort of priced in this retail rebound, yet we're seeing a lot of retailers who are really falling short yeah. and probably closing. Right. Yeah, I think uh, a big part of it is that the market is playing an expectations game right now. Um, and so, yeah, right now, uh, retail the retail economy is, is running very slow. Mm-hmm. And there's no particular sign that that's going to change anytime real soon. But there is hope um, that eventually things will that things will return to nor- to normal, quote unquote normal, <laughs> right. sooner rather than later. Um, and so the the prices of those stocks are taking off now. Um, and I don't that, that doesn't quite make sense to me. Right. I, think I haven't bigger... set foot inside a retail store in months, ten yeah. months. Right. Yeah. Other than a grocery store, I don't yeah. know who's shopping in them. Well, are you Eric? Who's shopping in them? Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, <laughs> I grocery store, absolutely. Uh, you know, I've, yeah. I've been to my fair share. Okay, I, I, I will admit, I, I went to Walmart. I think twice in the last eight months. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guilty. Ooh, twice. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> right. I did go into a Home Depot. Oh, there you go. But if you had to, if you were asking me to tally how many things I've ordered off of Amazon, mm. yeah, <laughs> I, can't I mean I've remember. bought stuff online, but yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. So I think you know the, um, the market may have priced in, baked in good news in general. You know, better than expected results in corporate profits sometime in the future uh, are already part of the of the numbers that we've got right now. Better employment numbers are probably already baked in. Vaccination rates, relative calm in the national politics. Maybe we'll get some of that. I, we can hope. I, I did read an article today that said the market is pricing in a calmer administration. Yeah. And we hope that we will see that here in the next few weeks. Right. So good news that that might come out uh, in the next few months that would normally boost the stock market might not this time just because it's already that news is already kind of part of the current valuations so to the extent that we get good news in the near future it may not move the market as much as we might expect it to are you talking about things like um, quarterly report earnings those types of things are priced in so yeah, if exactly. they're good news, the market's not going to react. Right. Yeah. So the the expectations uh, on which current prices are based are probably already, you know, it, it would be hard to to outpace those. And even if they did, there would be a oh okay yeah good, we were sort of expecting that you mm-hmm. would outpace these good numbers that we had already set up for you. Mm-hmm. So bad news on the other hand could end up being really, you know, any little bit of bad news could end up being really bad. So, you know, if one of the uh, promised vaccines turns out not to have a good efficacy rate, 
or if we just aren't able to get people vaccinated as quickly as we expect, or if some couple of big <laughs> cruise line companies or airlines or whatever go out of business, then some of that kind of bad news could actually have a very bad impact on the market because people are expecting good news, right? So right. it's that much worse. So I kind of think that on the one hand, this coming year, 2021, is likely to be a reasonably good year. I don't think we'll we'll be able to get back to this 18, 17, 18, 19% up. <laughs> I don't think we'll have another one of those years, but we might have a, an eight or nine or 10% up year. Which is remarkable. Which is a, that's a good year anyway, right? Right. Yeah. I would find that remarkable after coming off of what now could be a dozen years of pretty good years with, yeah. you know, with a, a negative year or two in there. Yeah. But this is remarkable. Yeah. I, no, I, I do expect that, that some little piece of bad news, well, not little piece, but some group of bad news is likely to cause a short-term correction, a 10% loss, or maybe something a little worse, but, but probably not much worse than 10 to 15% downdraft. Is that a fair, <laughs> fair word to use? Which might give us, but we don't know quite when that might happen, right? There's no way to, there's no good way to predict that. So it's not something that we can wait to make changes to the portfolios or wait to, to invest, wait for that downdraft. We have to stick with our discipline and go ahead and move, move, move forward. forward. Right. Yeah. Because we don't know. Right. We never know. There's no crystal ball. We just, we don't know. And I'm always a little bit of a pessimist. You know no, see, that. I'm the optimist. I know, on the team, <laughs> which so. is why we're <laughs> a good match. And I still feel that with the economy the way it is, it's still struggling. Mm -hmm. You know, we looking at the unemployment numbers and you know possibilities of um, difficulty in retail, and our restaurants are struggling, and small businesses are really struggling. And we're hoping there'll be more mm -hmm. money to boost small businesses, but that could still take a while. So I still feel that there is a possibility of a negative year. Yeah, I I, I think agree. it could flip either way. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, a lot, I don't think we will know until how this year is going to go until we get well into the summer. I think, you know, later this summer, we will get some more indications of how the rest of the year is going. But right now, it's just, yeah, it's, it's so hard to tell. Right. I, you know, I know there's another round of, of the PPP stimulus money for small businesses. I know that there's likely to be even more um, with the new Biden-Harris administration as it ramps up. But we don't know quite what that might look like, quite when it might come out. We don't, we can't tell whether it will be enough and in, in time to rescue some of those small businesses that are about to go under. So right now, you know, when we look at, at the investment portfolios that we have, we're not invested in, in the tiny small businesses, right? We can't, right. that's not something we can do really. But when the market turmoil hit in March, well, February and March and April, we started letting cash build up a little bit in client accounts, you know, so that as dividends came in or as, periodic contributions came in, we let at least some part of that 
sit in cash to try and help cushion our client accounts against, um, against further turmoil. And that has been, I think that has been a, a good thing for most of our clients. The idea that, that, yeah, we left some money on the sidelines, even in a hot year like this turned out to be, we left some money um, sitting uh, idle. It smoothed the ride for a lot of people, um, smoothed the ride for, for most of our clients. And in, we had a number of clients who needed extra cash. Yeah. And that came in handy. Right, it did. And so, you know, and it was it was during the, the hottest part of, during the most uh, rollicksome, <laughs> during the wildest part of the markets in, in March and April, it, there just wasn't a good way to invest money. Uh, when the market was, how, how many days in a row was it that it was up, up or down 4% per day? Uh, I think it was like eight consecutive or 10 consecutive market days of 4% moves or more. There's not a good way to place trades when the market's moving that way. It just can't be done. Um, so, you know, for, for practical reasons and for strategic reasons, we'd let some, mar some money build up. Um, it looks like most of our client accounts actually benefited, uh, you know, did just fine compared to the benchmarks. I was looking at some of our uh, some of the performance numbers, uh, accounts that have a significant portion of their allocation in bond, were still, th their overall returns were pushing up against those stock market returns. So, you know, uh, past performance is no guarantee, etc. cetera, but, um, but... Thank you. The compliance officer in me is very happy <laughs> to hear you say that. <laughs> yeah, I can't guarantee that next year we will also outpace the stock markets, but... We, we had a really good year for our clients, too, even despite the, the excess cash held in their portfolio. But we are doing some work now. Brianna and I are, there's a whole bunch of brand new uh, mutual funds and exchange-traded funds and, and other strategies that have come out in the last few months that, that we were, we're uh, working to review now and to see, you know, where in our client portfolios we have funds or ETFs or, or parts of the portfolio that are underperforming um, and what we might be able to do to bolster that with some of the new uh, new things that are coming in. So over the next mm, month or so, month and a half, we're planning to, to revise some of our portfolio models and, and um, rebalance things, bring things back toward the models that they're supposed to be in and put some of that cash back to work. Can I ask you a question? No. Of course yes. I can. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I'm always going to ask you a question. To what extent do you believe that some of the good performance that we've had is related to the, the ESG component, the social impact component of our portfolios? I actually think that most of it is due to that. I think that the portfolios that we have that are zero carbon energy oriented those zero carbon energy models outperformed uh, substantially. And so I think, yeah, exactly. So I, th <laughs> I, I just did a yes <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! Mm. Woo uh, um, with my hands. Yeah. So uh, my impression uh, from looking at those client accounts, um, looking over the performance reports that we just sent out, I, I believe that it's uh, the, some part of that outperformance that, that I have seen is due to the you know, to avoiding the carbon energy. Um, and I think that there's, you know, in times like this, 
where high quality companies outperform low quality companies. I think one of the things that our environmental and social and governance screens do for us is put us into higher quality um, portfolio. So we end up with a, so in time, time periods like this, when higher quality companies are going to be the ones that survive, that thrive, despite the way the market, you know, despite the economy around them, um, we are going to see even better performance. So I, I believe that too, which I was sort of leading you into that. And I, <laughs> I felt that was, that was true. So thank you for yeah. No, there's, there's also, you know, there's sometimes when um, when low quality companies uh, and do lead the charge, um, but that's uh, it's um, a shorter term yeah. performance thing now. Yeah, yeah. So I think you know what, looking back at our uh, at our three year numbers, um, in some clients, you know, five and seven year numbers, mm -hmm. um, we're seeing some really good, really good results. Yeah, so I'm very pleased. Yeah, in the 22 years that I've been in this business now, I see the non ESG performance outperformance, we should say, um, much shorter term now and uh, screened portfolios for ESG and uh, social impact doing better for longer periods of time. Yeah. It used to be that um, there were a handful of sort of anti-ESG uh, mutual funds and, and other kinds of portfolios that would um, jump uh, jump in and crow about their short-term performance, uh, short-term outperformance, and you know, take out full-page ads in, in the market in industry magazines and that kind of thing. But I haven't seen one of those in a very long time, and I think it's partly because the um, as you say, the the, the short-term outperformance isn't translating into longer-term outperformance for those portfolios. Yeah. Um, and we have, the, the ESG portfolios have the longer-term outperformance at this point. Yeah, which is great. Yep. So, you're doing a great job, yeah. Johan. Oh. Thanks. I, yeah. <laughs> I think we're doing a great job, so... <laughs> Well, our clients are um, asking the right questions, and uh, uh, we're uh, giving them good opportunities, I think. So it's, it's a fun job. <laughs> uh, yeah, helping people make money and save the world at the same time. Yes, <laughs> going in the right direction. All right, so I have a question. Yep. Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> Are you going to let me ask it? That's the question. No, Please. Yeah. So here's the thing. Kim, you and I have spoken about a lot of different things in, in all these last few podcasts. One of my favorites was some of the things that you saw environmentally, you know, when this whole COVID thing really started and, and was full swing and people were not working outside their home as much and, and so on and so forth. We talked about carbon emissions were way down. We spoke mm -hmm. about different areas where people could see the skyline, right, instead of pollution different waterways that had cleared up because of um, the lack of traffic on the waterways um, in, in areas that the main traffic was boats, right? Do you remember that conversation? Yes, yeah. That was fantastic, and we love those things. So my question to you is, how do we, uh, as, a, as a group of people, continue to remember all the positive changes that came or positive things that came from us scaling back and, and, and kind of 
forced you know, into uh, in a lot of cases, but also seeing the benefits. How do we keep that top of mind when the world goes back to normal, quote unquote? You know, as the vaccine comes up, we're, we're seeing this light at the end of the tunnel. And I don't think, I mean, we spoke on the last podcast even about, we don't think the workforces are going to go back to the exactly the way they were because too many companies realize they could save a lot of money and their, their property footprint could be a lot smaller having their people work from home. But still, how do we keep this momentum so that the environment stays as good and gets better, uh, you know, as it is now. I'm going to say some of this is the new normal in terms of the changes that have happened. So when I think about, if we just look at the work day, I don't know that in our office, for example, that the three of us will be in the office every single day. I think we're going to continue to rotate in the office. And there's not necessarily any reason for us to, to be here every single day. So that's going to save a little bit, um, specifically for me, because I have to drive to work. Uh, Brianna and Johan can walk. Yeah, we, to bo- the office. we both walk. It's about a half a mile each for each of us. Yeah. Um, but I have to drive. So there's no reason for me to to do that every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, unless I'm, I need to meet with someone here or we need to have an in-person office meeting. Uh, I believe that's going to be true for many companies. So we're going to start cutting back on carbon emissions for that particular purpose, and I think it's going to be intentional. Well, yeah, I think that – how to put it? I think we need to actually consciously design – you know, I, I think we need to be careful about the idea of getting back to normal, mm-hmm. uh, because back to normal, if that means going back to the way we did things before, it, you know, we don't want to do that. No. Uh, the way things, the way we have done things in the past was not the best. So we, we need to be very careful to design new processes and, and decide um, that we're going to do things in a cleaner, greener better, more socially just <laughs> way, right. mm-hmm. um, because we don't want to go back. Um, you know, we need to, uh, well, there's a, you know, we don't want to go back. We want to, we want to p- bounce. We don't want to bounce back. We want to bounce forward. Right. Right. And also Johan mentioned the, um, the loss of women in the workforce over the last 10, 11 months mm-hmm, mm-hmm. due to COVID and there's already talk in the social investment arena about how we address that issue. There are some webinars coming up in our organizations about how we look at that and how we get women back into the workforce and what we need to do to address those issues. Mm -hmm. So those are things that are being looked at. Um, Any of these things that have come up and, and the, the cleaner, greener world that we've seen we're looking at those issues. It's not being ignored on our side. Um, I don't believe it's being ignored on the Biden administration side either. No, yeah. So those, all of that's being addressed. On the issues of health and wellness, it's been discussed in my family that during cold and flu season, I'm probably going to be wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. This is a new normal. They do it in China and Japan and a lot of Asian countries. They've been doing it for decades. Mm -hmm. That is normal for them. Why don't we do it here? 
And I think we're going to see a lot of people who are going to continue to do that. Yeah. Yeah. As I say, I think we need to have a, it needs to be a choice. Mm -hmm. We need to actually make the decision that, that we're going to change the way we have done things in the past. Mm -hmm. And the, the new parameters that we're going to put on things are going to be, you know, we have to choose to design our society for better environmental sustainability issues and, and more socially just issues. We, we, we have to do that. We have known for a long time that we need to make some changes in order to improve our, our future, the opportunity for our future. And here we have a, a wonderful opportunity to, make, to go ahead and make some of those changes that we have known we needed to make. And um, that's a positive way to put it. Yeah. It's a wonderful opportunity rather than a yeah. negative way to put it. So yes. Well, well there have been, we've been reading books for 10 years now that uh, talk about how uh, we know what we need to do to decarbonize our economy, to decarbonize our energy infrastructure, our, tra our transportation infrastructure, our, our um, manufacturing. Uh, we know how to do it. We know that we can do it more, even more profitably uh, than maintaining the status quo, maintaining the carbon-intensive status quo. We just have needed to have uh, something, some impetus, something that makes it politically possible really, to go ahead and make those changes. And here we are, you know, um, we've had this, we have this crisis that we are in the midst of trying to work our way out of, and it has given us an opportunity to, to reduce, if not remove, our carbon footprint, and to go ahead and make, you know, uh, to make changes to make our society more just. We have the opportunity right now. Um, and we know that, that making those changes is, profitable is better for everybody is you know is good uh, in all the different ways we can imagine except for some of the entrenched bureaucracy and and some of the entrenched um, powers that be some of those folks have to find a new job <laughs> mm -hmm. okay any other questions Eric no, I, I I love the description of what you guys do uh, as far as you know you you were kind of sharing um, you know, possibly changing work schedules uh, due to you driving into the office and and the other members that will be walking, and uh, I expect nothing less, right, from from your company. <laughs> right. yeah. um, my con my concern is uh, the other companies that are out there that have been hit or have had a tough time um, during COVID and during uh, you know the shutdowns and reopens and shutdowns and reopens um, that they're going to rush to reestablish themselves and ignore all the positive changes that have been made. So, but the, the good news is I know that this is what you also watch. This is exactly why you do what you do. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm hoping that more and more people will help to hold those companies accountable. Look, you made some serious changes and your, your, you know, your footprint was a lot smaller. How about you keep it that way instead of rushing back to major production and, and, and not caring the ramifications on the environment just to reestablish themselves as a business. So I'm counting on you yeah. guys. Put some pressure on, and I'll do what I can on my end. Yeah. Okay. We will. Absolutely. All right. Johan, any final thoughts? Well, you know, as, as the office optimist, um, <laughs> I do think that, you know, as we look at, at everything that's going on, that we do have some tremendous opportunities. Even as uh, the market moves around us and isn't necessarily being kind to us, uh, we do still have opportunities to make a difference in the world, uh, to make the world a better place. 
and, and to make some money too. Great. I'm not 100% a pessimist. I do <laughs> believe that we are making major changes in our world. And um, I think I, I get that across on, on the podcast. I believe in what we're doing. And I believe that we're making so many changes. Mm -hmm. So I just want to say, if our listeners are out there and they want to get in touch with us so we can help them make a difference in the world too, they can reach us either on the phone at 505-982-9661 for those people who still like to call. <laughs> well, they can send us an email at info at horizons, plural, SFS, as in Sustainable Financial Services, dot com. All right. Thank you guys so much. This is a pleasure. I love I love the optimism. And, and Kim, I, I love the fact that you kind of uh, play the opposite side of the coin sometimes just to get them to answer those questions because <laughs> it was perfect. So uh, thank you so much for both of your time today. Thanks, thank Eric. You. you bet. And of course, last thank you goes to you listening audience. We wouldn't be here without you. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Grego-Kyle and Johan Clausen. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim and Johan come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you for listening today. For everyone at Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing Podcast, the sustainable, responsible impact investing podcast that shows you how to get your voice heard. It's time to start investing like you give a damn. To ask a question that we can answer on an upcoming podcast, email us at info at horizonssfs.com or join the conversation on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash horizons sustainable financial services or give us a call at 505-982-9661. Don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available. The companies we may speak about during our podcast are not recommendations for investment only. You and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you and your situation. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of New Mexico and other jurisdictions were registered or exempted. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guest and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.